0: Thanks for joining us today. I'm Rob Parker, lead pastor at The Plant Church. Our vision is to know Christ and make him known. If you are interested in getting connected, or if we can help you in any way, email us at info at theplantchurch.org. I have a Bible. Would you please open up with me to Mark chapter six? We're gonna read verses 30 through 44 in just a moment. Um, we have been, for the past few weeks, in, in our final theme as we're studying through the Gospel of Mark. And and this final theme that we're looking at is, we've called Plugged In. And the idea is about being connected to and plugged into Jesus' authority and how we, as Christians, are walking in authority. And I think I mentioned last week, I, I love this phrase from a, an old Alliance pastor back in the 40s who described uh, our role seated with Christ in heavenly places as being in the control room of the universe. And it's from that place that we operate in authority and we have nothing to fear as we are praying and and declaring God's will uh, to come on earth as it is in heaven. And so we've been in this theme on authority. and, And we talked last week about having authority over the demonic. And we've talked about authority to be a healing community where we see God work. And and today, what I want to do is we're not going to talk about a specific way we operate in authority, but I want to kind of get a little bit at the heart behind where authority truly comes from. Yes, it comes from Jesus, but we want to go a little deeper than the the Sunday school answer here. And so I want to read a passage of scripture to you, and uh, I'm going to get right into it because our time is limited this morning. And I know y'all don't want me to keep you here till like 1215. So (laughs) let's read this together. Mark chapter six, verses 30 to 44. It says, the apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told him all they had done and taught. Then Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. So they left by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. But many people recognized them and saw them leaving, and people from many towns ran ahead along the shore and got there ahead of them. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them. Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and said, there is a, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the nearby farms and villages and buy something to eat. But Jesus said, you feed them. With what? They asked. We'd have to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all these people. How much bread do you have? He asked. Go and find out. They came back and reported, we have five loaves of bread and two fish. Then Jesus told the disciples to have the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of 50 or 100. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, looked up toward heaven, and blessed them. Then Jesus, uh, breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. He also divided the fish for everyone to share. They all ate as much as they wanted. And afterward, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftover bread and fish a total of 5,000 men and their families were fed. I, I don't know about you, but I, uh, I am not someone who's particularly good at math. Anyone love math? I know, there's accountants in the room. They're going, <laughs> love it. it. I get that it like just works every time and makes logical sense, but I'm like a humanities background kind of person in college, where it's like a little more conceptual, and it's like, things like don't work the same way every time. Um, but but I, there's something about this passage that stuns me every time I read it. Uh, in, in fact, uh, there, the story I want to share is, is about when, when Jillian and I took a risk, it was before we had kids, and I was... Uh, In in part time in ministry in a church, and I had another full time job, and it was really a season where I felt like I was supposed to leave and be full time then in ministry. It was going to be a risk. It was a it was a financial uh, hit to us. It was going to be really uh, challenging. We were going to kind of see what happened. And I remember we had to be really really strict with our with our finances and, and with our giving. And, and with our, the way we did everything because, uh, you, you know, we just really had to be, had to be tight because this was going to be a risk for us. But we felt like God was in this and he wanted us to do this. And then God dropped the bomb on us in the midst of that. Um, God asked us to increase how much we tithed every month. So like just, you know, for us, everyone's got a, a number that's set, but we've never given less than 10% of our combined household income away in tithe. We just believe that's, that's what God's called us to do as a family. And so God's like, yeah, I want you to up that. And I'm like, I must not be hearing from God. I'm sure this can't be God. But here's how God's math worked. Um, we, we were like, okay, we're going to do this. And and we, we use this budgeting app, so it's it's really a great source of anxiety because the budgeting app, you put in all the stuff, and then if your balance is off when you're creating your budget for the month, there's a giant red number at the top. It's not green saying you're all good. It's a giant red number. And that giant red number would some months be very large as we're planning, this is all the money we need this month. How are we gonna do this? How are we gonna do this, God? And, and there was one particular month pretty close to the beginning. It was really the reality of like committing to this, like giving more money and, and all of these, th- these things were really starting to hit us a few months in. And I remember the text conversation. I think I, Jillian had just finished like putting, uh, adding some things in as we were planning for the next month. And she texted me, like she sent me what the number was and I was like, whoa. And I was like, okay, and I could tell like, just from the tone, you know how you have that tone of the text like, with your spouse or with a close friend, and you're like, oh, I know that, I know that text. I know, they use those words. This isn't good in that text. And, and, and there was something about it where I was like, okay, I could freak out right now, or I could just, let's, let's suspend that and just say, okay, what if God really did ask us to do this then? Then he's got a way, right? And, and so I just asked, what is Jesus saying? And she texted me back about 10 minutes later and she said, he said he's not afraid of the big red number. Peace just like washed over me as soon as I read that. The math still didn't add up, but there was peace. And then let me tell you, over that two, two and a half year period of of this ministry that we were a part of, we would have months go by where we should not have money left over at the end of the month. And every single month, there's a few hundred dollars left over to just kick towards the next month. The math, that's my kind of math. The math didn't work, folks. Like it's the numbers are there. We were very diligent. We knew we were tracking our spending correctly, but then the number that we should have and the number that was in the bank account was different. It didn't make sense. God's math was different, and and I learned something in this. I I had seen God provide. I'd seen God do miracles. I'd, I'd seen him work in amazing ways, but I had to learn that my confidence could only get me so far. My confidence even that God would come through would only get me so far. And I had to live from something else, if I was going to see God work, and and here's what I believe for, for you and for I maybe it's provision, maybe it's seeing healing in someone's life, deliverance, getting breakthrough from addiction, whatever it might be. Even when you've seen God work before and you have confidence in that, it can only take you so far. What I believe is that Jesus's compassion for people is what we really need in place of our confidence if we're going to see on the regular breakthrough and we're gonna start seeing God's math, not our math, and we're gonna start to see healings and we're gonna see crazy, crazy answers to prayer. Now, I think a lot of times, let's be honest, we do things out of our own power, even our own confidence of what we've seen God do in the past. And a lot of times I can bring that in prayer, or I can even bring that when I'm preaching on a Sunday morning, or bring that to when I'm praying for healing. Like, oh, I've seen God do this before. Like, I know what to do. I've got confidence in the model. I've got confidence in the whatever. I've got confidence in the fact that I know God can do this. And for some reason, I'm falling short in those moments. But I've had other moments where I'm not operating out of my confidence, but out of God's compassion for people. And I see an entirely different answer in my prayer life. Jesus wants to invite you and I to exchange our limited confidence for his unending and limitless compassion for people so that you can see answers to prayer that you never thought were possible. So I want to get into this text very quickly because this is what is happening in this story. And I think it's critical for us. If we're going to be people who walk in power and authority, we have to understand that our confidence can only get us so far. And we have to draw from something deeper. And it's Jesus's compassion for people. In the beginning of this, right off the bat, why do I know this is true? Because the apostles, his disciples, it says they returned to Jesus from their ministry tour. Now, a little earlier in Mark chapter 6, verse 13, the disciples were sent out. They're sent out. They're going to go do the work of ministry. They've been watching Jesus heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, do all this stuff. And and so Jesus is like, you're going to go do it now. Oh, you're coming with us, right? No, I'm not going with you. You're going to do it. And it says in verse 12 and 13, the disciples were sent out telling everyone they met to repent of their sins and turn to God. And then it says, and they cast out many demons and they healed many sick people, anointing them with olive oil. Excuse me. They had done incredible work. They had seen God do amazing things. They had walked in their authority. This is amazing got all these testimonies now. God's doing incredible work. We're, we're, we're all gung-ho. There, another one of the, the gospels that tells this story says they came back and they were just so pumped and they were like so overexcited. And, and just, you see these bunch of like young guys and they're just like being young dudes, like probably like chest bumping and, and doing all that stuff. They were just so excited about what God was doing. Uh, you ever seen an answer to prayer that was just like, oh, and you're just so excited. That's, that's what they're doing here. They're so excited. But they were supposed to rest because they're exhausted. And the way the Sea of Galilee is, is it's up really high, like all the surrounding uh, terrain. So you can watch boats going across. So they see them get into a boat and they're going and they just, oh, Jesus is going over there. And they follow them around and they get to the other side before Jesus. And they all show up and they're there. And think about this Jesus' disciples, they have been like great confidence, but they're tired. Jesus sees these people, and the passage says he had compassion on them. These guys needed to rest, but somehow Jesus' compassion was stirred up for these people, and he could not leave them hanging. They needed something from him that he needed to give them, and he teaches them all day, and it goes on, and then it gets really late, and the disciples are getting nervous, you see, they're coming to the end of their confidence. They're stepping into unknown territory again, and they say, you know what, Jesus, the smartest thing to do, the wisest thing, the, most, uh, the, the best use of our people resources, our stewardship right now would be to send all these people now so they can get food so they don't pass out. They've been, they've been sitting here listening to your teaching for a while, aka you've been talking a long time, Jesus. And Jesus' response at first seems rude. You feed them. You know how much money we would, like, it's gonna take months for us to work enough to make enough money. You see, they had, think about where they had just come back from. They're doing ministry, they're seeing God do amazing things, and then immediately They're brought to the edge of where their confidence and what their experience can take them to, and they're going, I have no, I can't see this with spiritual eyes anymore. I can't see this with with those kinds of eyes. I'm thrust right back into a physical reality, and all I can see is the fact that I don't have enough money to feed all these people. See, they're doing human math again. Jesus says, you've got to live out of something other than your confidence, You feed them. But I'm tired. I got nothing left. This is so important for us because confidence, as much as it's about, even if we're trusting God with our confidence, confidence requires and kind of implies that you've got some ability to do something. I'm confident God will come through, dot, 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 when I do this. There's always kind of that unspoken half of the sentence. You know what I'm saying? I'm confident in that. But what Jesus is saying is is you're at the end of your confidence, and he's trying to teach the disciples here. He's trying to teach us. If you're going to walk in real authority and power, it can't just be on when you feel the confidence. The disciples had learned how to do it in a moment. They can do it in a church service. They can do it in the the ministry moment. And what Jesus is saying is you're not drawing from the well you need to draw from. You need to draw from something deeper. And this word compassion, Jesus has compassion on them. It is only used in reference to Jesus having compassion on people. Folks, you and I come to the end of ourselves real quick Praying for our community, praying for our families, seeing healing. We get tired. We get worn down. We have human limitations that we're tapped out. There's nothing else we can give. And there are moments when we are in that, when we're tired, when Jesus is saying, you feed them. There's moments where we've been praying and we've been asking God to do the thing. Or it's like, God, I've done that already. It's not working. And he's saying, you feed them. Jesus is asking you to live, drawing from his compassion, not from your confidence. So just very, very quickly here, for the sake of time, I I want to highlight two insights from this passage about this question, how in the world do I walk in Jesus's compassion? How do I draw from his compassion and not be limited by my confidence? two insights. First, I think the first insight, if we're going to draw from Jesus's compassion, is we simply bring what we have. How much bread do you have, Jesus says to them, go and find out. Go and find out. You don't bring to Jesus what you don't have. I think when Jesus is asking you to feed them, pray for healing, see this provision happen in your life. When, when my wife and I were in that season of this is what I want you to do, and there's a big red number, he wasn't asking me to go out and get another job. He was asking me to bring what I had to him. Are you bringing what you have to Jesus, or are you complaining that you don't have enough? See, often we wait, well, I'll wait. Once I have enough, then I'll do it. Once I feel the faith, then I'll pray. Once like, the moment's right, then I'll get into it. And Jesus didn't say that. He said, what do you have? And and even this, further insight, he says, go and find out. Some of you might need to take stock, depending on what the issue is you're facing. You might need to take stock of the tools, the experiences, the wisdom God's deposited into your life. You might have to go back to old journals. There might be some reflection required. What do I have to give to God in this moment? There might be things in your history with God you've totally forgotten about that you need to go back to. Go and find out what you have. That's it. I wanna clarify this because this is so important before we move on. Um, We need to clarify this distinction. As I said before, we are limited human beings. Jesus is not saying, bring me enough for everyone, even if it is going to violate your limits, if you're gonna be overextending yourself, if you're not gonna have margin. He's not saying, do something that you don't have the capacity for. He's not saying, say yes to more things until it works. He's saying simply bring what you have. Some of you overextend yourselves. I know because I do the same thing sometimes. I say yes to too many things. And when I say yes to too many things, I think I'm bringing what I have to God. No, 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 you don't have anything to give. That time's not supposed to be something you say yes to. So I want to clarify this distinction This does not mean that you say yes to everything, that you in every moment have all of the human energy and physical energy to give yourself. Your moment when someone asks you for prayer and you need to bring what you have in that moment, you might not be able to pray more than Jesus bless them. And that's all I've got right now. You might be with young kids and you get a text and it, it requires, man, I've got to, what can I do? I can't help this. I, I, could like, I could help and overextend myself and maybe resent my friend who's asking for help, or I could just offer this little thing that I actually have to give. Just bring what you have. Do not overextend your limits. See, that's how we start playing God. We don't trust that God will multiply what we give, and so we try and overextend ourselves. Just bring what you have. This is how we start to draw on the compassion of Jesus. Second, not only do we need to bring what we have, but we need to receive what he gives. You need to receive what he gives you. I love this. When Jesus took the bread, he modeled for us thankfulness to the Father with those five loaves and two fish. I love that. He modeled thankfulness and gratitude. Some of us receive something from God. It's like Elijah when he's praying for rain. rain and he prays and prays for hours. No rain, no rain, no rain. And then his servant comes and he's like, there's a cloud the size of someone's fist. He's like, great, answered prayer, let's go. The rain's not here yet. But receive what God does give you. Receive the answer God gives you. We prayed for, for faith Uh, in a partnership class several months ago. And she started to feel a little bit better when we were praying for her back. And we just took a moment right there when we were praying for healing just to say, thank you, God, for the healing you've brought. And then he brought the rest. And she stood up out of that. She'd been hobbled in with a cane and she walked out without it. Isn't that awesome? Receive what he gives you. And then I love this, from that posture of thankfulness, Jesus, not the disciples, I've never noticed this before when I've read this passage, Jesus, not the disciples, it says, kept giving bread. He kept giving the bread to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. Some of us are taking what God gives us and saying, how can I multiply this? He's not asking you to multiply it. He's asking you take it, turn around, and give it to someone. And then go back because Jesus is going to keep giving bread. You see, Jesus' compassion means you don't have to have enough. Mm -hmm. You don't have to have enough confidence. You don't have to know and have this all figured out. You can just... Give him what you have and receive whatever he gives you with thankfulness. Just take what he gives you and then give it away and go back for more. That's it. I I am pastors are all we're all guilty of this, but I am guilty of this, and, and others are guilty probably of versions of this, but it becomes so easy to want to kind of prove God to people in some way. Does that make sense to you? Like, I just wish they would see it. I just wish wish they would see Jesus for who he is. And we might not be heavy-handed about it. We still might be gentle, but there's that thing in us. And, And I want to suggest to you that that's actually kind of that same heart of that confidence. And we're praying and we're praying, but we're praying out of a place of this confidence that actually has a little bit to do with us, if we're honest. Jesus is saying, feed them. You didn't give me it all yet, Jesus. I can't feed them. Feed them. What do you have? And are you giving it away? Man, when you get connected to the compassion of Jesus, you find a spring, a well of living water that you are able to give out of. Not beyond your limits, but you are able to give well out of that spring of living water. When you receive His compassion for yourself, you can give it away. Because man, our our confidence it ends; it falls short. We get tired, but His compassion's still there for the multitude, even when we don't have enough. We need to go on a retreat. His compassion carries us through. We need provision. His compassion carries us through. We need authority and, and power in someone's life, because we need to see someone get healed, not on our confidence, not by might nor by power, but by him. His compassion if you read through accounts especially in mark but the other gospels when jesus just goes crazy and like heals tons of people and casts out tons of demons it's almost always there's this phrase jesus had compassion on them his compassion is intimately linked to his power his compassion is intimately linked to his authority If you are not seeing answers to prayer, I want to challenge you to ask are you doing this out of confidence or out of Jesus' compassion? Where is it coming from? I'm going to share this, this story as we close quickly. Uh, Elena, who attends our church, she's not here this morning, but um, she, she just shared a story with uh, a few of us in our, our life group a couple weeks ago. It was crazy. And she, I asked her if it was okay to share this, but she, um, we were praying a couple couple weeks ago. We were praying for healing after Paul had preached, and we were praying not prayers of God. I hope you heal this person, or please heal this person. You remember, we were praying specifically with authority. I wanted you guys to command these things to leave whatever it was. Not not be like God. If it's your will, please help. Pray with authority, right? So she took that to heart, she said. And that that afternoon, she gets a text from a friend of hers that lives in, I, I think, Kentucky or Tennessee. And um, her friend has a one-year-old baby with a breathing tube uh, in the throat, like a trach. Mike, is that the right name? Nurse Sue? You're two for two today, thank you. Uh, to help the baby breathe. And... Um, out of nowhere, baby's been fine, very stable, living at home. Um, out of nowhere, is just having trouble breathing, and they're getting ready to leave for the hospital. She texts Elena, "Please pray." And Elena is just going. She st- almost started to pray the way she always did, and then she stopped herself and said, "Oh, let me pray differently." but but her prayer you got you got to understand it wasn't out of confidence it wasn't out of anything she loves her friend she loves this kid this was a prayer of compassion and she said i just commanded the throat to be open again cuz the throat was closing in jesus name she gets either a text or a call back a little while later he's breathing fine we don't need to go to the hospital Compassion is intimately linked to authority. Authority is not for you and I to go smashing people down or even smash the demonic down. God's dealing with them. They're a sideshow. But he does care about helping people deeply. Authority is for you and I to help people who are broken, who are in need, who are in bondage, who are trapped, who are in the same cycles of pain over and over and over and over again. Walking in your authority must be linked to compassion. Otherwise, you'll hit a wall and you won't go any further. And people will have freedom left on the table. People will be stuck in bondage. Because we, you and I have to learn how to draw from his compassion alone. It was great having you with us today. We do hope that this sermon inspired you to know Christ and make him known. For more sermons and resources, please visit us at theplantchurch.org.